everybody. Uh, I'm Lucas, and welcome to Broken Shovel, Homesteading for a Sustainable Future. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Eric. Uh, how are you, Eric? I'm good. I, I just want to comment that I, I'm sure the people that watch us on YouTube think we're a couple of weirdos, because the opening thing that they see is us making a weird face over the, over the fact that, hey, the music worked this week! <laughs> yeah, we're all excited it played. <laughs> Yep, and sometimes a little dance. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this week we are talking about plastics um, and very much microplastics. Uh, so which uh, I'll just go ahead and define real quick. Mm. Microplastics, they are tiny fragments of plastic less than five millimeters in length. And they have become an omnipresent pollutant in the environment. Um, and we'll get more into the statistics of them. Uh, but I think we're going to kind of start in the history of plastic in the United States specifically. Um, air date for this is 1121. Uh, so all of our information is current to that. Um, and uh, duh, 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 let's see the early years of plastic. I mean, yeah, plastic, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the quest for a synthetic alternatives. Uh, it actually started in the mid-19th century, um, which was, they were looking for uh, alternatives to increase, increasingly scarce natural materials, materials like ivory and tortoise shell. Like, it's just, you know, one problem begets another problem, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, oh, I'm, I'm just, like, that right there is just like, the fact that people thought a scare, I mean, I guess because we have, because we're going to talk about that this uh, next week, but like the destruction of megafauna that we had and like, the, yeah. Yes. And it was, it was a $10,000 prize that drove John Wesley Hyatt uh, to uh, find a billiard ball substitute. Uh, he, he developed celluloid, which was the first commercially successful plastic. <laughs> so hey, here we go uh, in 1869, uh, followed by 1907, Leo Bakeland revolutionized the plastic industry with the invention of Bakelite, the first success, the first fully synthetic plastic. Bakelite's versatility and durability made it popular for electronic insulators, cookware, and other household goods, uh, and this marked the beginning of a new era for plastics, paving the way for a surge of innovations and applications. Um, which, and again, we, we've talked about this in recent weeks, World War II was was a massively pivotal uh, point in the United States for the destruction of the globe. Yeah, I mean, it was really, we, we found so many uses for, and, and actively attempted to find uses for oil. Yes, yes. And it found, um, like, hey, we can make great plastics out of oil. Yeah, the uh, well, and and a lot of World War II was driven by the need for lightweight and durable materials yep. uh, for a new kind of war, as as uh, instruments of war were developing, um, and uh, this led to nylon and polyethylene, uh, which were great for parachutes, ropes, and other military equipment, and weighed significantly significantly less for transportation uh, uh, by machinery, boats, everything else, and carried by the soldiers. 
so World War II was really kind of a tipping point in innovation, we'll call it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> <and laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the, I mean, yeah, I mean, it really was the start of the innovation because it was really the research into, I mean, in in the history of humanity, the biggest driver of innovation has always been war and the war machine. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Really is, and it really has been, uh, and we'll see that more and more as we talk about you know the Anthropocene era and yep. uh, looking at timelines. Um, which we'll get into in depth next week, but it may come up a little bit this week. Yep. Um, so post-war, an explosion of production of the use of plastics, versatility, affordability, durability, uh, tons of things, toys, appliances, packaging, clothing. Uh, it became... Tupperware. Tupperware. It became a symbol for convenience and modern. Uh, yeah. some things being plastic was seen it was as a status symbol. It was a status symbol, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but this is when we start seeing these, you know, uh, uh, laminate kitchen countertops and mm -hmm. and the such. You know, where it's, um, there, it's just literally everywhere. Yes, and, it was yeah, an uh, everything's an excuse to use it. Mm. Yep, uh, my grandfather was a plastics engineer, actually. So. Uh, my uh, bloodline is not clean. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but it became, it was like, the more plastics was everywhere, uh, more concerns about the environmental impact started to come up. Uh, the durability that made plastics so great and useful at their time uh, led to their persistence in the environment. Uh, you know, so landfills, waterways, oceans, we see this all the time now. And uh, then the discovery of microplastics. Yep. Um, Which I find really ironic because as a kid, I remember learning in science the whole like, oh yeah, it takes X item number of years to break yeah. down. And then we're finding out like it's not really breaking down. It's just becoming in a microscopic level that we're confusing with the loam and soil. Right, yeah. It's, it's to a point where you just can't see it. And uh, with so much of, uh, you know, just human nature, uh, if you don't see it, it's not there. So. Yeah. <laughs> but now we have but, really powerful microscopes. We can see them. Yes, made of plastic. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, kind of getting into microplastics themselves. Uh, which, you know, we said earlier is, is the um, uh, five millimeters in length. Uh, yep. So these are your, your grandmother's Tupperwares in a landfill breaking down is one source. But about, about eight million metric tons of plastic waste enters the oceans each year. Uh, and a significant portion of this ends up as microplastics. Um, they have been found in all sorts of uh, really unfortunate places. Uh, human body, clouds, Arctic sea, caves sealed up from humans. Um, and, and Eric, you've, you've got some really alarming uh, uh, places that these things have been found. Yeah, like I, now? the human body was my favorite one where they've actually found it. Like it, it, it's They're small enough now that they are found in our bloodstream in the tissues of your of our hearts and in the bronchioles of our lungs uh, so far 
which is like there's like so there's a definitely a uh, a cancer factor involved in finding it in those places and absolutely yeah yeah because our our, our bodies aren't able to fight those off uh in in the way that uh, white blood cells are designed yep. to um designed to, I, I use that term very loosely um yeah did you see the stuff about the clouds yes the clouds are great that it's actually so they're fighting the japanese the japanese and chinese scientists were the first ones to discover it they went up mount fuji to test the mist that that's always seen around the top of mount fuji yes. and they found that there's between point six and 13 pieces of uh microplastics for each liter of cloud which is about a quarter of a gallon of water <laughs> unbelievable yep. it's so and, they, high. So, and they're actually finding that it's likely causing uh increased cloud development because of the fact that the water particles the clouds form because water particles start attaching to each other and right. plastics are actually they are they draw they draw water to them so it helps it helps the development of clouds which now is they're they're studying now and there's no data out about it yet of like the, what exactly is going to be the effect they just know it's like yeah it's going to affect cloud formation with bigger more larger clouds forming much faster yeah more fog uh everything's mm -hmm. gonna start looking like blade runner yeah um <laughs> uh yeah so and concentrations are really alarming and i i do you did you find plastics other places there eric yeah there was like uh like inside so inside arctic sea ice it was pep the term was it was they didn't give exact like what concentration was just it was peppered in arctic sea ice which is very concerning because the arctic is very untouched by people yeah but they're finding all the these microplastics in these areas that have been that haven't been touched by humans i mean the sealed cave that they found it in is a different story because it's a cave that floods regularly which is why why it was oh, okay so things would have carried it into exactly. the sediment and, and bingo uh, and, but they're finding the concentrations like it was uh 10 times the concentrations of uh sediment it, or of, of microplastics in the sediment as the water. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, the concentrations, uh, you know, in this, maybe, you know, obviously we're not scientists, and I want to approach that later because we got a really gnarly comment on YouTube. Um, um, I, I deleted it. I didn't like it. Um, uh, but we're going to address it. Uh, so microplastic concentrations vary widely depending on the environment, but they're very high in marine ecosystems mm -hmm. uh, where they can reach up to a hundred thousand I'm sorry yeah a hundred thousand particles per cubic meter of seawater uh, and uh, so I mean there's possibility being carried on currents and things like that why we're seeing it in the Arctic sea ice at all um, but also the clouds and and what you explained there that you know that you know, things yep. are falling from the sky as well. Not just be falling from the sky, but actually in my in the research I found, it's actually the microplastics in the ocean are contributing to the microplastics in the air because they're so small that like when waves form, waves create that mist, that mist gets picked up and that mist has microplastics in it, thus putting more microplastics in the air. And yeah. Right. Yeah, and of course... Yeah, and of course, increase sea temperatures, increase evaporation, which increases uh, moisture traveling upward, uh, and very possibly carrying microplastics. Yep. 
So we're surrounded by microplastics. It's, yeah. it's so, it's, you know, even just looking around the room I'm in now is so much plastic. And there's, yeah, and I'm looking at my wall of Funko Pops. Oh, yeah. Just don't throw them away, I guess. I don't know really, if they stay on the shelf. But it's like, I mean, it's concer- like another concerning area that was found, and we talked about this when we talked about the uh, food sources, is that they're finding them in grapes, apples, and carrots. Uh, the microplastics are found in those, in the gro- mainly root vegetables, but they right. are present in our food now. Yes. Uh, which, yeah, which I have sort of in my list of impacts of microplastics here. Um, but uh, where they where they come from first is, you know, is, is something important to mention. Because obviously yeah. it's, it's breakdown like we talked about before. But we're also, you know, there's microbeads of plastics and petroleum in cosmetics. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I stopped with the eyeliner. It just, boom. <laughs> um, but then, you know, then there's... Uh, synthetic fibers from clothing and uh, tire wear uh, yep. is a huge amount. If you think about just Highway 1 running along the Pacific Coast, you know, and all of that debris just going straight into the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, uh, if you've ever done like roadside trash pickup, you find that, that that dust that's on the side of the road is a mixture of, of asphalt and rubber. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you see it in the snowbanks here in the you know all winter. The, oh the, yeah, how the, uh, you know a snowbank is pristine and white for mm-hmm. one day, if that, before yeah. it turns gray. Yes, <laughs> but and what you're talking, what you were talking about earlier is referred to as secondary microplastics, yep. which is uh, when larger plastic debris breaks down into smaller pieces, weathering, erosion, and other physical processes. Yes. So uh, it's it's not just coming from one place where we can easily. Uh, deal with this uh, you know and I, I was alarmed uh, a few weeks ago um, you know after all the programming I received in high school and you know the 90s and 2000s but I saw a coca-cola bottle that said now made with 100% recycled plastic and I I just assumed that with the advent of recycling more and more of our regular products were uh, were made with 100%. I just assumed. And now no, all of a sudden... No, because you find... I mean, I found this out after after college was actually that... What is it? 75% of our recyclables just get shipped overseas to third world countries to get, get refined down and potentially... Sometimes it ends up in their landfills or their, they just dump it in their... They just dump it in the countryside. Yeah. Or some, some countries do use the cheap labor of these third world countries to refine and get this back, the plastics and others, into a reusable state. But it's taken a long time to get to the point where it was cost effective enough to break it down and down to reuse it. It was honestly, it was cheaper to just make new. Yeah. Yeah, which unfortunately makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the impacts of microplastics. <laughs> this is this is really uh, upset. I don't know. I hate it. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> ingestion by organisms leading to potential harm and disruption of ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Uh, absorption of pollutants onto microplastics, uh, increasing the bioavailability of a harm of harmful substances to organisms, which is to say, things can stick to the plastic and then it gets ingested in a way that it would never have been before. 
into organisms. Uh, uh, the effects on humans, uh, respiratory issues and disruptions of the gut biome, as well as cancer, all yep. of which were mentioned earlier by you. Yep. Um, and when and in the clouds, you know, we, we talk about that as just sort of weird, but it, it can break down due to UV light and add more greenhouse gases, uh, which increases cloud production and growth. Yep. Uh, so it's it's just this like, ah, it, yeah. we're, we're past the point of re- return here, you know, it's... Yeah, we're, we're, we are the, we are way past the point of no return, and there's, there's actually some new studies out that is just like, yeah, because we are not making any major effort to curb these, these uh, trigger things that we are, by... I think it's like right now the data says by 2100 that we are actually going to be on an extinction path as a species because the earth cannot sustain uh, the 8 billion people we have. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 79% of plastic waste ends up in land cells or as litter, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, on the side of the road, like we talked about earlier. Um, But, you know, I guess we really have to talk about where do we go? What what can we do? I mean, is there anything we can do? I mean, the the first thing is like is reusable items. Like, don't use don't use single use plastic items. Yeah, I mean, the first um, big one is always like if you're a water drinker to get a good reusable water bottle. I don't buy the yeah. Metal cup, yep, yeah. Don't buy the don't buy the the thirty two pack of little Nesty water bottles. It's also like Nesty is a whole different story. We can actually do a whole episode on the impact Nesty has on our our lives, environment, and everything, and how they companies like them them are contributing majorly to what is going wrong with our society. But that's. That's, that's, that's another episode. It's a conversation for another time. Uh, yeah, yeah and, and, and just talking about looking around uh, ourselves, you know, I, I'm looking at comic book frames that I have and my printer and, you know, the laptop I'm using right now, the headphones I'm using right now. It's it's everywhere. And none of this is going to last forever. Uh, no. You know, the, the idea and concept that plastics had, it, you know, at their advent was that it was supposed to be a long-lasting material. And yeah. unfortunately, that is true, but just not in the way that anyone anticipated, uh, yeah. in, in that it has become a permanent fixture in our environment. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I hate to say it. Like, I always find that older, the older plastics from the 50s, 60s, and 70s were, also, were seemingly more durable than the plastics we have today. Yeah, it was a major shift to mass production, um, uh, which decreases quality. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, reducing plastic production and improving waste management practices is kind of the only way out of this. And that that, that, that requires a level of collusion on a global scale yep. that I'm not entirely convinced that it's possible. It's, I mean, um, the scientists, scientific community is based, is pretty much saying like, no, but with the current political climate and who we have in office, it's impossible. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, look at States like Vermont and California, we've outlawed the plastic shopping bags. 
Yes. But New Hampshire, on right across the border, refuses to do it. Yeah. And other states, like they're like, just like, no, no, it's too much of an impact to, to the uh, consumers to remove plastic bags from your shopping experience. You know, Meg and I were having a, a conversation this morning about just reducing our waste in general, yeah. and um, you know, so we're sort of having this conversation where it's like, okay, you know, we let do we get pigs or goats? You know, like, you know, we get goats, we can make cheese, uh, we get pigs, we make friends, uh, and, you yeah. know, and we'll probably never yeah. slaughter them, <laughs> yeah, I, realistically you know, speaking. Chickens do eat a lot, too. Oh, yes, my chickens in the past, I, you know, we would, we would feed them the gristle that we didn't want to eat from the steak and, and stuff no, yeah, like that. Eat, they, yeah, they eat everything, like, they, they're your food scraps, your meat scraps, like, it's a little... It's a little cannibalistic, but I mean, they I mean they eat their own eggs. And... Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're very thorough about composting and yeah. and doing that, but you know, as far as bones and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just things like that, and and we're also kind of slowly transitioning all of our storage to glass. Um, so you know, more and more things just go into a mason jar. It doesn't really have to be in that square shape, you know. <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't, you know. It's. Uh, I think I don't know if you remember when 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 we worked together. Every I had these little uh, bento, you know, stainless steel bento boxes that I yep. would bring my food in and and things like that, and glass containers that I brought my food in, and that was always really important to me. Um, and you know. <sighs> We're just we're we're exploring ways to continue to not only have to fill up a plastic garbage bag, which ends up in a landfill, and we didn't even talk about the fact that our trash, which is primarily plastic, is going into plastic before yep. being thrown away. Yes. Um, and something I'm finally seeing happening in uh, transfer stations, at least in my area, where you would have to go and buy a plastic bag to put your plastic bag into to be eligible to drop it off at your local transfer station they're finally all switching to po- uh, punch cards yeah that's, that's <laughs> I, I i i go to hartford and i've never i unfortunately thankfully going to hartford i've never encountered that it's always just been bringing my bags my preloaded bags right to them but i mean i between recycling uh compost uh and a burning trash that's actually another big one is the burning yeah. trash Yes. Um, between those three, I go through two, maybe three bags of trash. Oh, this little white, the white bags, the thirty, yeah, like yeah thirty gallon, gallon, gallon yeah, yeah, white bags. I go You're through two or three of those a week. Yeah, we do uh, the day of. I bring trash, and usually on a Wednesday and, and those are usually hinged on when I'm making dog food mm-hmm. and uh, um, uh, uh, cleaning out the refrigerator because yeah. we forget about things in the back all too often. Yeah. <laughs> but, There's another thing. You know, chicken, chickens love moldy food. Yeah, they'll eat anything. And, they'll eat anything. Uh, they really will. Yeah. That's, I mean, honestly, like, I, I, don't, I try not to give them too much moldy food because it's probably not the best for them, but... But I do like get like I try to make sure like the bre- if I get a bread bread that goes too long goes to the chickens. If I get like leftovers, my kids are terrible about eating leftovers. Like I'll have like leftover night and then like yeah. they'll make ramen. Yeah, yeah. I am responsible for 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 ninety percent of the leftovers in our house. Yeah, um, yeah. Meg, yeah that's how very I, I few understand. things. 
very few things she will eat as leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're just two people. We always make like four to five portions. Right. So I used to be 140 pounds, folks. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I've gotten. I've actually gotten really good at making the just right amount for the three of us. That's good. Yeah. Well, we, we enter into some really specific challenges, which, you know, you and I talk about a lot, but yeah. we're cooking for a whole other family right? as well. So it kind of throws things. I, we're not cooking for them next week. And no. I was making our grocery list this morning and I was like, this is going to be so easy. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just us. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So, uh, but yeah, microplastics, uh, any closing thoughts on the plastics itself, Eric? Uh, it's, we're fighting an uphill battle against the plastics and it's, it's not going to get any easier. Yeah. Um, and before we get into our, what we're talking about next week or anything like that, uh, I do want to address a, a comment that we got on YouTube. Uh, it was basically saying, you know, where, who are we to give this information who are we to uh stand on a high horse so to speak uh, what qualifications and also sort of it, the tone read to me as what right do we have to be doing this and i do want to say you know we are not scientists we are two intelligent people with legitimate concerns mm -hmm. and think it's an important thing to talk about uh, and I mean, I can start posting the peer review studies I get my information from because I, I do I get my inf a lot of the information from research papers and whatnot. And like if, you, if somebody really wants me to put those into the into the links, we can because right. I mean, I'm not pulling these numbers out of, out of the air and I'm not just going off of some New York Times or CNN post. Yeah. Like I'm actually trying to find the scientific uh, research on what is what is about these topics and and yeah we're 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 filling a void because yeah. guess what you I'm, 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 my apologies listeners but you don't listen to the scientists to begin with yeah so we're trying to give this to people in a non a non sciency manner that people that your everyday person can understand better than the scientific gobbledygook that comes out of these peer-reviewed research papers. We are very passionate. Uh, what is it? What do they call them? Armchair experts. Yes, armchair um, experts. You know, but with, we, with a little bit of uh, we, we we do have a little we we have a, we have a, we're meth methodical with our research. We make sure that we like I was say we you, we go to peer-reviewed and find actual like sources not just like oh yeah such and such tweeted out this this thing and that means it's true well and and you know to to add on to that we walk the walk and we talk the talk you know what i mean like we we do what we say you know when i'm talking about reducing my waste by getting pigs you know that's that's a thing <laughs> that's you know uh and and you know when i talk about switching everything to glass yeah that plastic is going to go eventually you know it's going to go someplace bad the plastic i already have in my life but you know there's i can't do anything about that obviously right. so you know i have old tupperwares where i lost the lids in my tool shed that are filled with nuts and bolts i you know what i mean like i try to use these things as much as possible before yeah. disposing of them but 
we're not scientists. Uh, we are two very passionate people uh, yes. who are very concerned with the world around us. Uh, yes. Eric has kids. You know, like these are these are things that are important. Yep, and they're, they're, so. they're things that are going to affect us in the long term. And I mean, like I already said, like we we were concerned about the lack of just human level information being given about these topics. Right. And and to that, also the corporate uh, lingo uh, manipulation of these mm-hmm. topics uh, yes. was, was a big thing where, where you're getting your information about this stuff from the people that are causing the problem. Exactly. They were they, they were reporting the information of, of this is bad, but this is why we can't do anything about it because, hey, we're sponsored by DuPont. And... Yeah. And, you know, this was we didn't talk much about it because microplastics is such a huge topic. But lifetime products, this is, uh, you know, we, we need to move ourselves toward lifetime products. Yep. There's a, a, a subreddit I would recommend along those lines. Uh, buy it for life. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I go I go to that, too. Um, yep. You know, and I found like, there's been a pretty few, a few good threads about um, the buy it for life items, like what items you've bought that like you spent a little bit more on, mm-hmm. but you've bought it for life. And like I was thinking about it, like I bought my snowboarding jacket, I bought about 12, 14 years ago. I spent about 200 plus dollars on it. And it's lasted fifteen, or well, I'm, I'm about almost fifteen years now, and it's still it's the warmest jacket I have, and it's it's showing very little to no wear and tear. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, coming back to Vermont, Meg and I made significant uh, uh, effort to buy it for life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and we know people that are very uh, <clears throat> focused on not spending a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, and we also are. But there's certain things I just absolutely cannot justify uh you know and primarily good boots um Mm -hmm. which require maintenance which is something a lot of people don't want to do but these are you know buy it for life uh yeah if you're on reddit check it out there's some there's usually some pretty interesting things that'll surprise you yes Uh, i can't think of any right now but uh Uh, good kitchen knives that was one oh yeah yeah definitely good kitchen knives um, any, the, my favorite one in this thread I was looking at the other day was anything you put between your feet in the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, yeah, boots, socks. Boots, I mean, boots, I take those, socks, your, I take uh, those purchases sneakers. very seriously. Yes. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, next week we're going to be talking Anthropocene Epoch, which yes. is, uh, basically, uh, do you have a definition handy? The, I don't. It's the great, it's, the, it's our great extinction. Yeah, and, and, and so how we've already, and we we've already are, kind of, yeah. our self-caused great extinction. Yes, our self-caused. <laughs> we've already touched on this in our extinction event episode, so this is going to be kind of a continuation of that episode. If people want to go back and listen to that, that's going to kind of lay the groundwork with what we're going to talk about next week. Yeah, uh, and the, you know that's a good fun one for Thanksgiving weekend. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Um, speaking of Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Small Business Saturday is November the 25th, and the Broken Shovel Farm website will be up and taking oh. orders, brokenshovel802.com. 
Uh, and all of our hearth brooms and hand brooms will be 15% off with a discount code that is in the episode description. Um, so please come on out uh, November 25th. It all gets fired up. And that uh, sale is going to go through December 25th. Mm-hmm. So, And we do free shipping on all hand brooms. So there's no, no sneak up costs. What you see plus tax. Done. Um, and uh, yeah, we're also going to be at the small business market in Bradford on November 25th. So uh, if you're in the Bradford, Vermont area, come on by our booth and say hi. Um, you know, we'll be standing there talking about brooms. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's it for my, oh, uh, this week. I do have, yes? I have one listener interaction. Oh, okay. Well, my my sister. Your sister. <laughs> uh, she actually wanted to comment. Um, we we didn't last week. We did not touch base enough on the modern hunting. Okay. Um, and one big thing that has been introduced the last couple of years is the Vermont Fishing Game now have has an app that you can do all your reporting on. Oh, so, good. And they actually recommend like even if you don't get anything. Report what you Report. see out in the woods. Like, you're out in the woods. You saw blah, blah turkeys. You saw this. You didn't see this. How long you were out there. What the conditions were. Because all that information is going to help uh, further our conservation efforts. So even if you're not a hunter and you're just observing wildlife. Yes, you can saying? go to the Fishing Game website, get this app for reporting information about what you're seeing out in the woods. Okay. Oh, speaking of seeing things in the woods, this morning I saw the remnants of a field dressing of a deer uh, on our walk this morning. Yep, (laughs) it is very very much that time of year. Yep, some very, very happy uh, ravens. uh, Oh, yeah, they love it. Like, I mean, that's the thing. We used to, I mean, it's, some people, some people frown upon it. It's a minority because it's, you're you're basically giving skunks, raccoons, fishers, bears uh etc a free food source mm-hmm. that otherwise would go into the trash yeah yeah i we were kind of talking about it and, uh, uh, after we came across it this morning and and like well now there's probably not going to be any more deer in this particular area uh, because now there's going to be an increase of activity in that area, uh, you know, and a bear uh, will scare a deer very far away. Yes. Um, but, you know, again, I'm not an expert. I'm not a hunter. So what do I know? But Yeah, and it'd be, uh, I'd be interested to find out, like, what what harvesting a deer in an area has, what effect it has on the herd hitting that area thereafter, because at the same time, it's, natural predation happens and the deer aren't scared out of areas when they get when they get taken down by a pack of coyotes or a wolf or a bear well and you know there's an interesting angle to it too because you know uh, deer are not always in a herd during you know the the warmer months oh especially they when are... they're in rut like right now they're in the bucks are in rut yeah and they're very much like no the bucks are on their own and they're chasing down the does that are also out on their own because they're looking for their mates. Right. So there's not, I don't think there's going to be a large amount of scaring things away because the herd has been disrupted. But I I, I was just thinking more about like 
an increase in predators and competitive uh, animals, but I don't know. Yeah, but it's probably going to, I would expect it to be more smaller predators, like I was saying, like fishers or mm-hmm. coyotes. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I wish we had wolves back in Vermont. We really would. Uh, I would like, we should do an episode on the the cascading effect that the introduction of wolves had in, or the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone had. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We could talk, we're going to be. Uh, talking a lot this week, you and I, so we can yes. try to f- piece that together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. So next week is Anthropocene Epoch, which yes. is fun to say. It sounds like a superhero. Uh, it's not. It's, 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 more super, it's more of a super villain. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> not wrong. Uh, but yeah, Broken Shovel, Homesteading for Sustainable Future. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email, brokenshovel802 at gmail.com. I am on the TikTok at uh, Broken Shovel Farm. And uh, as always, please go check out the website, brokenshovel802.com. Uh, beautiful handmade goods. Um, buy a broom. And buy a broom, man. Lady, everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, buy a broom. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Later.